Over the next three weeks, MuggleCast will be teaming up with Teddy Bears for Hope, a nonprofit organization that provides teddy bears to children affected by homelessness, disease, and neglect. It's time for the show and its fans to help give back to those who really need it. Visit MuggleCast.com to learn about this great charity and how you can make a difference. The Potter fandom has always prided itself on rallying around great causes. No amount is too small, and all funds go directly towards providing children with hope for the future through the comfort and security of a brand new teddy bear. Thanks. This week's podcast is also brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast today for details. Hey Mason, did you know that on July 1st, Yahoo Domain Renewal Pricing increased to $34.95 per year? $34.95 per year? No way! Ridiculous! That's not a deal at all! You're right, it's not, and I do need a deal. You need a deal? I got the deal you need, Andy! Check this out! Transfer your domain to GoDaddy for as little as $6.99 and get a free one-year extension plus guaranteed renewal pricing. GoDaddy.com makes transferring easy and offers loads of extras including hosting, a five-page site builder, and much more. Oh, yeah! Plus, as a listener of MuggleCast, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out and save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions do apply. I want you to see the site for the details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy. This is, this is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because it's three years and 155 episodes later... This is MuggleCast, episode 156, for August 7th, 2008. Alright, it's time for another week of MuggleCast. And uh, we have a very special interview this week, isn't that right, Laura? That is right, Andrew. Um, who are we interviewing? We're going to be speaking with the author, Stephanie Meyer, who uh, wrote the Twilight Saga. O-M-E <laughs> for Edward. Um, we've decided to have Stephanie Meyer here on the show this week because we've uh, talked about Twilight here on MuggleCast so many times. And a lot of our listeners decided to read it because of our recommendation, and they realized, oh, wow, this is great. So we want to get more of you guys uh, interested in Twilight. We're going to hear what Stephanie Meyer has to say about the Harry Potter fandom um, and also Breaking Dawn as well. So I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Matt Britton.
All right, like I said, we have a big show today. But first, Micah, what's in the news? Nothing. Oh, oh. Micah, it's close to nothing. But well, it's it's been another slow week, I guess you could say. But the one piece of news that we have gotten has been pretty big. Um, they, I guess, Scholastic has decided to go ahead and uh, publish the tales of Beetle the Bard. Um, and uh, the post that was on MogulNet had mentioned that all the sort of clearance that was necessary to go ahead and publish this was given. Um, wasn't it Amazon.com that had the winning bid? Um, exactly. $4 million. They gave the go-ahead to publish this, I think primarily because all of the proceeds are going to be going to charity. And um, uh-huh. the charity that's going to be benefiting from this is the Children's High Level Group, which is a organization that J.K. Rowling helped to find and um, you know start up. So uh, the book will be released on December the fourth. Um, anybody thinking that there's going to be a midnight release for this potentially? Um, I think there could possibly. It's winter be a time. Release. It's going to be I a little mean, cold. I don't- I don't think it's going to be as widespread as a regular Harry Potter book, but I can see potential like in uh, a, a Borders or Barnes and Noble having like a a, a release party for it because it's still a J.K. Rowling novel. It is. And were yeah. you guys surprised by this? I mean, did did you foresee it coming? Did you think when you first heard about this this book, you know, wasn't it the other copies went to select people uh, that were yeah, close right. to Joe? Yeah. Uh, and I'm assuming she probably checked with some of them as well to make sure that they were okay with this. But yeah, um, she did say she cleared it with them beforehand. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, it kind of loses a little. Uh, Tales of Be the Bard has just lost a little appeal to me now because, like, it, it the main reason this was so special was that only these five or six, actually, well, technically seven people, if you're counting Amazon, seven people actually w- were able to read it. So. Yeah, you know, it's kind of losing its charm now. I think it's awesome, though. Yeah, I th- I think it's amazing. I think also it's it was kind of a shock for it to be you know released to the public so soon. I think I, it is kind. of I soon. wouldn't really mind. I mean, I would. Lo- I, I I can't wait for the book to come out. It yeah. just seemed kind of soon though. It kind of took me off guard when it was released. Well, I think it was in December of this past year that the um, auction was actually held. Mm-hmm. So um what's 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 a little bit weird though is December the 4th is a Thursday this year. So not too sure if they're going to actually be doing any sort of midnight release. That's very interesting. I oh, think yeah, that I think that would definitely that. suggest that Scholastic and Bloomsbury certainly don't have any plans to do midnight releases cuz you know, mm-hmm. I got a party Thursday night. And I can't go to a release party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure you do. Sure you do. Anyway, I got to watch Lost. Oh, yeah. But I have to say something about this. The price difference between um, oh, the yeah. two books. It's oh, wow. $8 yeah. for the paperback. The collector's edition is $100. A $92 price difference. Maybe it's gold-plated. Well, the collector's edition looks awesome. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but uh, it's just <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get the huge price difference. It's really, I, I really like the cover art though for it. Yeah, and it was yeah. illustrated by Mary Grand Prix, which is cool. And I mean, at the same time, I know the price difference is pretty steep, but the proceeds do go to charity. I think that has a lot to do with it. Definitely, um, yeah. They're assuming that they can make more money for the charities off the fans who will go out and buy the most expensive collector's edition. So yeah. 
I'm going to ask a stupid question, but is the British version different in any respect, or is it just cover? I doubt it. Because I don't even know if there's a cover yet for it you know, for the UK edition. I looked uh, because I got a pre-order from Amazon UK uh, recently, and uh-huh. um, it looked different. I I just I just wasn't sure. I'm I'm guessing the context is not going to be any different. It's probably just the cover that would be different, right? Well, I was very glad to see that the cover was illustrated by Mary Grant Prix. And I was kind of hoping for that because, you know, it essentially it, – it's another Harry Potter book and it feels like it just with that really nice cover too. Which mm-hmm. would beg the question then, of course, would Jim Dale do an audio book Mary. on it? Oh, yeah. And it's funny because didn't we ask him that question during our interview? I think we – no, we asked him if he would in, um, who he would narrate the uh, encyclopedia. Oh, uh, yeah. But, I mean – I think he said if anyone well, it, asked him to do it, he wouldn't yeah, say he no. Yeah, he said he so. was up for doing the encyclopedia if he was asked. So I'm sure if if, if this gets a lot of attention and um, they ask him, I'm sure he'll do it. Yeah. yeah. I think also it came up during that roundtable, Andrew. Um, and I think he said that he would do future J.K. Rowling works if he was asked to also. Yeah. Not just yeah. the encyclopedia, but anything that she did down the road. I- I'm reading the features of the collector's edition right now, and they look really cool. Ten new illustrations by J.K. Rowling not included in the standard edition or the original handcrafted edition. Wow. So, and this oh, is wow. ten completely new illustrations. And, you know, and you get that whole box thing. Well, well, what do you guys think? Are you going to get the special edition or the regular edition? Or the mm. paperback? Whatever Scholastic a- sends us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was about to pre-order the special edition, but then, then I saw the price. I was like, ooh, going to wait. I'll do it. Okay, go ahead. I, do I, it. I'll, I'll, I'll buy the, the special edition. Why I not? would think of asking for the special edition as a gift. Like, yeah. if someone yeah. asked me, what Christmas do you want gift. for Christmas? Perfect I would Christmas say, gift. oh, you know. Sorry, Laura, I'm not getting it for you. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you. Um, <laughs> me neither, Laura. I'll tell you why I'm really excited about this. Um, and I'm going to read a quote from the product description. Dumbledore reveals not just his... Va- this is all new for the actual book. Dumbledore re- reveals not just his vast knowledge of wizarding lore, but also more of his personal qualities, his sense of humor, his courage, his pride, and his abilities, and his own hard-won wisdom. Names familiar from the Harry Potter novels sprinkle the pages, including Aberforth, Micah, Lucius Malfoy, <laughs> and his forebears. What's, what, what's with Aberforth? Well, he's just going to be in the notes that Dum- Dumbledore... It doesn't say um, the goat's going to be there. No, but close enough. And Sir Nicholas uh, de Mimsy Porp, oh, <laughs> nearly headless Nick, as well as um, other professors and past owners of the Elder One. So it's going to have a lot of new Harry Potter information in it too. Yeah, I think which that's I'm really excited about. Cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know we all love Dumbledore's witty humor, so I think that's definitely going to be worth reading. So I'm ex- yeah. I'm excited. Anything else going on? I know you said it was a slow week. Um. I think that was all we were going to talk about, right? Unless we wanted to... There's new concept art from the Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park on the website. It's yeah. of it's of uh, uh, the three broomstick. Oh, well, sticks. they also have a poll on it about what would you... It, it, if you were to order a drink at the three broomsticks, what would it be? Would it be butterbeer or would it be um, uh, pumpkin juice? It seems like... like Fire not, whiskey. Uh, yeah, if, I was going to say fire whiskey too, but... Um, That's not a choice. It seems the... No, it's not a choice. It's only two. Uh, the majority, like like 75 to 80%, I think it is, is... um Butterbeer? Butterbeer, yeah. That's not a poll. Good. You can't have two choices a, on yeah, a poll. I don't, yeah, I don't get that. I didn't get that. 
May, maybe it's like their specialty drink that they're trying to go to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, why can't, why can't they, they do just, both? I know. I that's understand. what I'm saying. Why can't you just do both? It's yeah. not really that hard. To I bet the they will. I bet they will. It'd be boring if there was just one Harry Potter drink on the menu. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of other stuff, but I think that I think they're trying to figure out who who's more keen to drinking it or um, than mm. the other. So they'll probably Which make like more. more of this drink than the other. Um, I, I'm not very impressed by the concept art. I, it, like, okay, yeah, maybe it is real to the books, but it's just bland. Like, it's not really bold. It's, it's not supposed to be like brand new and modern. It's, yeah, well, it's I know. It's supposed to look like it's lasted there. But is this exciting? Like, I think it looks very, um, it looks very busy. It looks I mean, a whole authentic. bunch of, a whole bunch of like stairs and stuff. Yeah. And it's cool. It has a, a serious black wanted poster towards the back. Yeah, that's going to be cool. I, oh, that's awesome. It reminds me a lot of, of the three broomsticks in Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, well, then I think they did their job. Oh, well, then good. <laughs> um, I guess that that's really all that's worth discussing. The theme park, and we actually didn't post this on MuggleNet, but um, originally they said it would it would be opening late 2009, early 2010. And with those updates on the website, they changed the release date to just 2010. So um, I well, think that's we a sign all, of... We were all pretty much thinking it was going to be 2010 anyway. Yeah, but I just yeah. think it's a sign of many delays to come. All right, well, I guess that's it for news this week. Thank you, Micah. Oh, you're welcome. And now a quick reminder. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and play back anywhere, just like MuggleCast. On the Summer Road Tour, the co-host and I listen to a few audiobooks from Audible to pass the time. It is a fantastic listening experience and is a great way to do some reading. Log on to www.audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Again, go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast for your free audiobook. Oh, Matt, also, um, we did the live show last week and you couldn't make it. Yeah. Uh, what were your, you want to just give a brief, uh, overview of your thoughts on, uh, the teaser trailer? Um, yeah, uh, I absolutely loved it. Um, if you've seen our, our beautifully made teaser trailer, <laughs> right? Can uh, I tell you, geez, it was- that was one of the funniest things I've watched in a long time. Really? Really? Well, thank you, Micah. That's very oh, nice. Thanks. It's hard to make Micah laugh and I'm glad we did. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Uh, I have to say that this is probably my one of my favorite teaser trailers of the Harry Potter movie series. I think other than this one, I think it's the Prisoner of Azkaban teaser trailer. And w- what I've noticed a lot is, is I don't know if you guys touched on this, but um, there were the Harry, the Half-Blood Prince t- um, t- teaser trailers, both of them, even the one for IMAX and the um, the movie Prisoner of Azkaban have um, close uh, r- relativ- r- relativities to each other. They have the same music. And um, in the Hapla Prince teaser, when um, you see young uh, Tom Riddle sit down, you hear the music, the kind of eerie music. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's when the Dementors come on the train in Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the theme. That, that's the song for it. And in um, in the IMAX teaser trailer, w- when you hear this music right before you hear Dumbledore speak, I must ask too much of you again, Harry, or something like that. That's um, that's the same music they played for uh, the Prisoner of Azkaban teaser trailer. In the very beginning, hmm. wasn't it just Hedwig's theme? No, hmm. no, because in the very beginning you can hear like the the chorus. You're going ah, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, that I I think it was definitely a really good. It was it was a perfect teaser, just meaning what a teaser trailer is, because it didn't really tell us anything about the plot or anything. It just um, showed us one 
um, aspect of of the story, and I thought that was just brilliant. Uh, yep. They just centered on Tom Riddle instead of it being scattered to different kinds of scenes in a big collage. Yeah, and that's what the theatrical trailer will be. The theatrical trailer will definitely have a more like, you know, detailed version of what the the movie's about, and mm-hmm. will show a lot more scenes. It didn't really show that many scenes either. It was just like like four or five scenes that were just dragged on. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really good. All right. Thank you, Matt. Um, let's move on to announcements now. Just a couple this week. Don't forget to vote for us in uh, on uh, Podcast Alley. Number five right now. Not bad. Could be better. But hey, it's okay. It's Yeah, the, the month's not over. That's true. It's only just begun. Um, and Micah, you have an update about uh, Teddy Bears for Hope. Can I have one? That's can you have bear? one? You have a teddy bear. Yeah, but I want hope too. <laughs> Ask Barack Obama. Yeah. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. Yes, we can. Um. Yes, we can. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> um, What's going on with teddy bears for hope, Micah? Um, as we mentioned last week on the live show, and I'm sure many people have already heard um, at the beginning of our show, we're doing a little bit of charity work with this organization called Teddy Bears for Hope. It's a nonprofit, and the idea is to be able to give these teddy bears out to children who have been afflicted some of some way in their life, whether that be by disease or disaster. Um, and the effort so far is going very well. We made a post on MuggleNet.com uh, at the beginning of the week that obviously uh, had a tremendous impact and uh, I don't know if I should say where we're at as of right now, but I'll just say that we're doing uh, extremely well. And, you know, we appreciate, obviously, anything that anybody can give. Uh, No amount is too small. And, uh, you know, everybody's kind of been rallying around this cause so far and, you know, all the listeners and the visitors to the site. So we really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. That's a really good organization. I was reading up on it yesterday. It's it's really sweet. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks, Mike. Let's move on to Muggle Mail now. Laura, you want to take the first one? Sure. Um, Our first muggle mail comes from Maggie, 16 of Michigan. She says, Hi, let me just say that you guys are amazing and that I love each and every one of you in your own special way. I was listening to your podcast when the subject came up about what is next for the Harry Potter fandom and whether it is shrinking or changing. I just had this to say. With such a monumental series as Harry Potter, its fan base can never shrink. It only becomes an even more integral part of our life. Since we have no new book to look forward to, Harry Potter is slowly becoming an everyday part of our lives, a concrete part of our childhood. It's in this weird stage where the books are going from a pop culture phenomenon to a classic piece of literature. Slowly but surely, Harry Potter will be passed on to our kids and they will have the same awe and wonder we all felt when we first read it. So yes, the fandom is changing. There may not be as many people coming out to celebrate at conventions or Harry's birthday, but that is only because Harry Potter is such a normal everyday thing in our lives that it just seems silly to do that stuff anymore. Yeah, it was a long message, but there you go. Shrinking? No. Changing? Yes, but for the better. Yeah, I like what she has to say because I think she's right. And um, when people do say, you know, it's dying, it's not really. I mean, it's just the same things that happen in the Harry Potter fandom continue to happen every day. So people think, oh, it's dying just because there's not big change. But when we have things like podcasts and Wizard Rock, and, I, you know, I was thinking earlier today, the Harry Potter fandom has contributed two major things to fandom as a whole, and that's podcasting and a musical genre for that fandom. And it really is amazing and mm-hmm. the impact of both of them. Well, and so to speak, I mean, the Harry Potter fandom can't really shrink as long as the people who 
lo- love the book, stay still, still love, love it. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, just j- just because you don't go to conventions doesn't mean you're part of the, not part of the fandom. Mm-hmm. I think the online aspect of it as a whole too. I mean, not just necessarily podcasting. I know that's unique in itself, but kind of the whole online aspect to it too. I don't know if it, if it was as rampant just because of you know the internet not necessarily being available as much to sort of the other you know fandoms that existed previously right right and never again will there be a fandom that does not have online websites forums fan fiction wizard rock well maybe not fan fiction because that that sort of comes down to books but wizard uh, like the musical genres um i just think uh that, well, it's just Matt, so you unique. brought up a good point. I mean, the the fandom. I mean, how many book? How, how many series have made a sport out of the out of the book series? Have made a genre of music mm-hmm. from it? I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's never been done. It's it's totally it's a totally original fandom. Yep. Next email comes from Ivan Seventeen of West Covina, California, writing about the theatrical trailer. He says, hey, guys, I was just wondering, now that we have seen the HBP teaser trailer and how much it focused on young Tom Riddle, what do you think the theatrical trailer will focus on? Will it continue to focus on Tom Riddle, or do you think it will focus on something new? Just wondering what you guys think. I love the show, and all of you are awesome. Um, um, I think it will, mostly, because that's mainly mostly what, what? A focus on Tom Riddle. I mean, not all of it focused on Tom Riddle, but I think... Especially um, at the end of the the trailer, when it gets to more, you know, the climactic mm-hmm. scenes, it'll show mostly about it'll show Harry and Dumbledore together, and basically what they're there together to do is hunt Horcruxes about Tom Riddle. Yeah, I kind of brought this up last week too, and and I know it's not the f- necessarily the focal point of of the book or the movie, but Snape and just kind of including him a little bit more in this because he does play such a huge role, even though. Yeah, you know, he, it's kind of a behind-the-scenes role, uh, and you'll probably get a lot more of the the end battle scene at Hogwarts, um, which we haven't really seen much of at all, um, yeah, as definitely. of yet. I I hope we get to see um, some sn- um, Snape and Draco scenes. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of love in it too. I don't. I hope not. <laughs> but you're right, bit, there, probably, there will be a little bit. I yeah. think it's going to be a pretty encompassing trailer. I think they're going to show a little bit of everything. Um, there will probably be some Tom Riddle follow-up, I'm sure. Um, and like Micah was saying about the battle scenes, and Andrew's saying about the love. So love. I think we're going to see a little bit of everything. The last email comes from Leela21 of Daytona Beach, Florida. She says, hi, I love the show. You guys are awesome. I just wanted to point out something interesting in the latest Half-Blood Prince trailer. At 1 minute and 10 seconds, if you look behind young Tom Riddle, you can count exactly 7 stones laying on the windowsill. It also shown again at 1 minute and 16 seconds. I just thought it was pretty cool. 7 stones for 7 horcruxes. Again, love the show. Pickles. Layla. Oops, it was Layla. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. That's kind of clever. Yeah, that is a nice. Is anybody little... looking at it right now? I don't have it on. No, all. but I can real quick. Watch, she's she's probably lying. See, one thing we fail at is checking the authenticity of uh, the legitimacy. I, I guess I should say of uh, the email, so well, people can tell us anything and we'll believe it. We, we trust our listeners. Well, exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I meant. Okay, let me see. I'm looking here. Yeah, but he doesn't. But he doesn't know anything about seven, though. The power of seven. 
Because he's not in Doesn't mean David Yates can put it in there, though. Oh, there they are. Oh, there they are. Okay. Probably like- One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, oh, seven wow. Stuff. That's, cool. That's really... I wonder what uh, they may not even, that. I mean, we, we're, we're only saying it from a f- uh, pretty far. They could be just the, the knickknacks he stole because we know he stole stuff from. Those the are fa- stones. They're stones. stones. Yeah. <laughs> they're not. They're not, they're not knickknacks. Maybe he throws seven <laughs> Mikey stones. B was here. He could confirm that for me. He would, he yeah, would look really. at the. He would do a qu- close up and analyze it with Photoshop. and We would have Final a 20 Cut minute studio. long analyzation. Yeah, analyzation oh, <laughs> of the different shapes and how rocks <laughs> form and all that. Okay. Uh, thank you for that, Layla. Okay, well, it's time now for our interview with the one and only, the fantastic, the charming, the bubbly, as Laura and Lisa described her after the show, interview, Stephanie Meyer. And um, now, for those of you who have read Breaking Dawn or are planning on reading it, we do get into the plot of the book, but I inserted a little spoiler warning before Breaking Dawn content so uh you'll know when to stop it so nothing gets spoiled for you so we'll take it away to our interview with stephanie meyer um joining us now is stephanie meyer the author of the highly successful twilight saga which was just completed friday when breaking dawn was released hello stephanie hi andrew (laughs) how are you today um, pretty good. I'm starting to get a little nervous to the show tonight. That always happens. <laughs> yeah, you're in the middle of this tour right now. Um, what is this, your second or third? Um, this is my fourth tour. Oh, okay. So, both books, and then one tour for the host, and then, you know, various international tours. <laughs> right, right. And you are in Chicago tonight, right? Right. Awesome. So we're going to ask you uh, some questions about the Twilight fandom and how it compares to the Potter fandom, since we are a Harry Potter fan site. And then we'll get into stuff about Breaking Dawn. Does that sound good? That sounds cool. All right, cool. With the release of Breaking Dawn, the press is really all over this huge phenomenon that you've created with these books. And a lot of them are comparing you to J.K. Rowling um, because of the similarities in the fandoms. Why do you think so many Potter fans also enjoy Twilight and vice versa? Oh, yeah. Um, I think everyone says that, actually. Not most of them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I get that all the time now. And I, I don't really know. I mean, there, when it comes down to it, there isn't that much that's similar about mm-hmm. the, the books, except for the fans of the books are very similar. And, of course, all my fans are Harry Potter fans because everyone is a Harry Potter fan. So <laughs> that just goes without saying, right? Right. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I mean, I think that I mean they're fantasy and they're kind of, they're fun reads, uh, but they do appeal to people who like a little bit longer books. So there's that too, I guess. Right. Okay. Uh, Stephanie, in your opinion, what is it about this whole genre that appeals to so many readers? Uh, the vampire genre. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you yeah. know, I don't know because I'm not, uh, I don't read vampire books. So, and that, you know, before, now I'll be able to. Um, I, I've never really been into horror, so I'm not sure what the appeal is. I think it's because, I mean, a lot of people like horror movies, people who aren't me, and, and I guess people like to be scared. Uh, and vampires, of all the monsters that we can scare ourselves with, are definitely the sexiest. I mean, mm-hmm. the rest of the world kind of. Yeah. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> Now, one major difference between the fandoms is, is that between Harry Potter and Twilight is that J.K. Rowling has had ten years to develop uh, her fandom, whereas yours has only had three years. So, if your fandom only had, it, it, not only if your fandom had ten years to, ve- to develop, do you think it would grow in this into this huge thing? 
Well, you know, I don't know. Everything has been so much more than I expected. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say. I kind of keep waiting for everything to crash and burn. That's sort of my personality. <laughs> uh, it, it just seems like, you know, I, I would have to wonder what would happen if there was just more time. Um it, it would be fun to watch, and just seeing this whole fandom grow has been a lot of fun to watch, the Twilight. Yeah, it's been really fast. I mean, obviously cool and fun for yeah. me. So, I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea of, of starting over with new characters, though. Uh, it's yeah. something I imagine J.K. Rowling uh, deals with, is the idea that people feel like the characters belong to them, and after a while, they have a very definite idea of what they want to see happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't really have to deal with that so much when you're starting over with fresh characters. Is that a hint of uh, things to come? Well, I well obviously I've got to go and, and do Midnight Sun so people right. don't come after me, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm still I'm still in the Twilight world for now. But then I've got a lot of other you know non vampire you know, ghosts, time travel, mermaids. I got a ton of stuff to work oh, wow. on. Wow! Oh, cool! Oh, awesome. Awesome. A little spectrum there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, considering that you've said the two stories don't have a whole lot in common, what do you think um, Harry Potter fans would like about Twilight, especially people who haven't read the books yet? Huh. You know, I don't know. It's not. It's to me, it's so not comparable. Uh, but I do think that people who are readers. I was always a reader when I was growing up, and I just liked really big stories. So I never wanted them to end. Um, and my stories are, are long, so they're they have that going for them. And I think that they're kind of fun, fast reads, um, you know, for as long as they are. I think my priority is always entertainment. Um, and so I think that that's similar with Harry Potter. Where her, uh, Rowling just has such a, a whimsical, magical escapism that's really cool. And with Twilight, I think it's a little bit closer to home because it's set more in, in the world that we know. But I still think it has that escape Mm-hmm. That people might be looking for. Right. Yeah, you know, and I gotta say that's what I've always liked about your books is is it is set in um, today's world um, and in America too. I mean, I, I always appreciated your reference to Rotten Tomatoes. I think that was in uh, Twilight <laughs> or New Moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you good. know, Rotten Tomatoes is a good tool. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Stephanie, you've read the Harry Potter books, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, what would you say is your favorite of the series? Um, probably number three. I'm just a huge serious black fan. I had a really hard time when he died. It was not easy for me. <laughs> well, I think we all felt the same way. Yeah. Um, but if you had to pick something specific or maybe not so specific, um, what do you admire most about J.K. Rowling's work? Oh, gosh, her imagination. I mean, she... I. When I work, I work within the world that I'm in because I kind of like having that foundation of realism. Also, it's a little bit easier. People are used to being in this world. To create a whole other world and get the walls up as solidly as she does takes a ton of imagination and just a real gift. Um, I'm constantly amazed by that with her. Yeah. Okay. So if Harry and Edward had to duel against each other using their own abilities, who do you think would win? Oh, gosh, don't get mad at me, but, I mean, okay. 
I don't know what a, a wizard fight looks like in her head. I know what it looks like in the movie, and so I kind of have to go on what it looks like in the movie. But here's the thing. If it's possible for a human to duck a wand being shot at them, um, a vampire's not going to have a problem. I mean, the fight would be over at .01 seconds because Edward would be across from snap his neck and be done. He wouldn't oh, even have yeah. time to save his soul. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. Edward would win that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on to... um, I kind of agree with her. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Let's move on to um, Breaking Dawn now. And if you, the listener, have not read Breaking Dawn yet and you plan on it and don't want to be spoiled, now's the time to fast forward about uh, 30 minutes ahead uh, to get the rest of MuggleCast because we all finished reading it. I think it's safe to say we all loved it. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, it was amazing. Thank you. You know, I... I haven't gotten all the reaction yet, but I hear murmurings that some people are upset with me, so I'm glad to hear that you guys like well, it. It's, it's over. That's probably why a lot of people are so upset. Yeah, that's definitely part of it, I think. Well, you know, I think it, it kind of goes back. Actually, I was reading something that Steven Spielberg was saying about the new Indiana Jones and how people all had written their own stories. And mm. I think that when you leave that space for people to do that, it's hard to make them happy. Ex- exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, d- did you always have a four-book saga planned out in your head? No. Um, okay. When I wrote Twilight, that was, you know, I didn't know I was writing a book. I wasn't right. I wasn't thinking about that, right? So when I, as I wrote that, uh, it was its own thing. And then when I continued on, um, I wrote, you know, the other sequel, Forever Dumb, which was basically a rough draft of Breaking Dawn. Okay. Um, and then, so then that was the end. So it was two books then. And then my editor came and said, you know, you skipped right over the end of high school. We really want to see more of high school Bella. Let's go back and develop that. And so that's what I did. But I knew the ending. And when I started New Moon, I knew it would be a four-book story arc. Oh, okay. interesting. Okay. Well, how did you come up yeah, with I'm the- a little more, oh. I'm a little disorganized, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I think it turned out great, though. So, Stephanie, how did you come up with the title for Breaking Dawn? Um, well, you know, when, so the first book was originally called Forks because I just really liked that. And I thought yeah. I would pick up a book called Forks and be like, how can you write a book this long about Forks? But <laughs> my, editor <didn't. laughs> Edi- my editor didn't think that was a very good idea, so we kicked around a ton of titles. And when we finally did come up with Twilight, uh, then the other titles became really easier. At least Moon was really obvious to me. Eclipse worked really well. And then Breaking Dawn, I, I Forever Dawn sounded so cheesy. I didn't want to go back to that. I wanted more of a sense of impending doom while at the same time a breaking day, you know? Yeah. And actually, uh, Pell on the Lexicon was the one that originally suggested that. I kind of was kicking it around. What do you guys think? And she said Breaking Dawn. I'm like, ooh, I like that. And that's what I ended up using. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it does kind of have that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. So this has been discussed endlessly the cover of Breaking Dawn. What does it mean to you? Ooh, you guys are... are I figured I'd answer that one tonight for the very first time that you, you guys are being to... Um, <laughs> <laughs> this cover has kind of two two things. Um, for me, the main thing is this is a metaphor for the entire story arc because you have Bella going from being the most helpless player on the board to being the most powerful player yes! on the board. Yes. So, <laughs> oh, Matt had it right. Yes. Good job, Matt. Pawn to queen. And then the other, um, I kind of wanted to foreshadow, the final scene in the book is not a battle scene. For me, it's more of a courtroom drama. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to get that sense of people very methodically plotting their moves. And so oh. I liked the chess metaphor. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, you know, I, what I really loved about this cover was that there are so many ways you could interpret it. Yeah. Um, right. Well, and- 
that, I, all the covers are that way to an extent, and so yeah. I thought it fit well with the with the whole series. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I will say we spent hours sitting around discussing what this cover could have yeah. possibly meant. We had everything you could possibly think of. It was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's exactly how it's supposed to work, so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so this might be a difficult question to answer, but what was your favorite scene to write from Breaking Dawn? Um, I said at Comic-Con that, like, my favorite Bella and Edward scene yes. was in Breaking Dawn. And it's the very last scene in the book, like the last two pages. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things of that. But then writing the Jacob Black section was the most fun I've ever had. I was just laughing the whole way through. It was fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, really. I have to say, I'm so appreciative that you did that because Jacob, I, I know that I'm not the only one here um, who says that Jacob is their favorite character. And reading from his perspective was just awesomeness. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was yeah. really from his. Writing from his perspective was just hugely fun. And he's always been one of my favorites. And, you know, I've been hearing his little snarky inside comments the whole time I've been writing. You know, I know what he's thinking. I'm hearing his responses that he doesn't say. And, And so it was great to finally be able to have those. I'm so glad you brought up those snarky comments because I was actually laughing when he yeah. was saying some of those things, uh-huh. especially the Rose uh, Jacob interaction. It was just so funny. Oh. I love yeah. it. Well, I it's very a- much enjoy Jacob and Rosalie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love them. I love those blonde jokes. Well, I just love how um, when when Bella was sick and we were from Jacob's point of view, he was kind of taking over Bella's sarcasm a little bit. And he, he kind of mentioned that yeah. a little bit in the book. Well, one of the things that went in, in Forever Dawn, the original series, it does not have that section. Um, the whole thing's narrated from Bella's perspective uh, because Jacob had not developed into the character that he was by the time I started Breaking Dawn. Um, you know, it was just in, in Twilight, he has a very small role. So, But part of the problem with the original draft was that it gets a little grim <laughs> for a while. Oh. And I wanted, yeah. you know, I wanted to be outside of this life and death struggle for a little bit and, you know, have it there, but at the same time be away from it. And I also wanted to show where the action was. But I was sitting in the house for a week um, during that part of the time doing nothing. <laughs> and there's a lot going on that she can't see. So I needed a different set of eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of moving along a little bit, Renesme. Um, was she always going to happen from the beginning, or was she a surprise to you the way she was to Bella and Edward? Uh, from the time I started Forever Dawn, she was a big part of the story. Mm-hmm. And in fact, with the editing uh, situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they wanted me to end the story um, at three books. And I couldn't do that and get messy at the same time. And so it was really for her that I was fighting that whole time because I wanted her. <laughs> oh, wow. So kind of like the way Bella was fighting for her. That's that's very, really cool. Similar. It was very similar, actually. Hmm. Going back to Jacob a little bit, because I like Laura, he really is one of my favorite characters. I really love him a lot. Um, I've always sort of felt like fans judged him a bit too harshly for some of his behavior in Eclipse. And I'm wondering, do you think that now, after Breaking Dawn, after we've seen all the sacrifices that he's, that he's made, that fans will ease up. Do you think that he's redeemed himself? You know, I don't know, but I, because I thought that people would get him in Eclipse. You know, I thought that they would understand how much, you know, of his gruffness and attitude is about 
his heart being broken and and how much he was already giving even an eclipse to make an alliance with his enemies for her. Um, yeah. I mean, so much of his self-sacrifice and, and the willingness he was to hurt himself for her kind of broke my heart. And then for people not to get that, I was very surprised. So I will never predict <laughs> that people will find Jacob Black redeemed, um, no matter what I write, because I don't know if some of them can be convinced in any direction besides just hating them. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's true. And I was disappointed with that, too, because from the very get-go, I love Jake, you know? So... But, well, I've always been inside his head, so I've never gotten that that sense of that he was up to no good and that he's just a bad person. That's always surprised me. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, what about imprinting? Um, there's a bit of that, well, obviously, a, a lot of that in Breaking Dawn, but um, Jake says at some point, I think it's when he's talking to Leia, that he wasn't too thrilled with the idea of having him imprint. I think he says something along the lines of, you know, he wanted to keep a mind of his own, or at least he had a mind of his own or something. So what are your thoughts on imprinting? Do you think that it sort of relinquishes free will, or is it just sort of the werewolf, or the shapeshifters, excuse me, the shapeshifters' uh, version of, of soulmates? Um, I'm kind of on the line between that. And on the one hand, it doesn't leave you a choice. And it can mess up your life like it did with Sam, you know, and, and someone else's life in the bargain. Um, on the other hand, it gives you a lifelong love that you're never going to tire of and that is always going to be fresh to do. And so there's a gift and a, a curse wrapped up in there. Right. One thing I had been wondering about, uh, towards the end, there is the resolution with the Volturi. Volturi, sorry. Um, Why did you have the Volturi understand Renesmee's situation instead of having some sort of, you know, like climactic battle or something? Because, um,. It, it was a surprise. I did enjoy it, um, but I, w- I was surprised that the Volturi sort of, you know, cowed understood. Away. Well, not so much cowed. We're cowed. What's yeah, that? They were cowed. They were cowed, and there wasn't a, a big battle where everybody got slaughtered. Um, and a lot of that is because I was not ready to slaughter everybody, uh, mm-hmm. and it would have happened that way. And I've had I had this discussion with my editor. You know, there were a couple different people giving me uh, feedback on this, and I always wanted. It to be a mental game. I knew who I was going to kill, and I didn't want to go there. It was always this way for me, but, you know, I thought about doing it. I just couldn't do it. Okay. Oh, okay. Good, Laura. Okay. So just speaking of the Volturi, we were curious to learn more about some of the other vampires. Um, like, for instance, what did Jane have as a human that translated to her special ability as a vampire? And were there any other interesting tidbits you could give us about any of the uh, the Volturi or the Denali that we don't already know? Well, that's an open-ended question. <laughs> I could go on for hours. Um, there, there is some stuff on the lexicon actually uh, about Jane and uh, and Alec and how they were sort of shaped as they became vampires because they were, you know, in in the they were in England and considered witches at the because they had like Alice had a chain chain. When the Volturi caught up to them, they were actually being burned at the stake, which shaped how their powers manifested. Okay. So that was one. But, yeah, all the characters have, you know, backstories in my head, and I'm kind of waiting for um, some questions that I'm expecting about the... uh, the index that I provided at the end. I'm sure I'm, I'm pretty sure those are coming. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought those. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. How you had that in there? 
Yeah, I like them too. I, yeah. I, I, I liked as a reference to keep going back and forth. Yeah. So why was Bella able to essentially um, skip her newborn stage? Was it due to the um, attitude and preparation that they had suggested? Yes. It was yes. because well, her, her personality is a very controlled personality in some ways, and uh, it translated really well. She was sort of uniquely fitted towards it. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Right. And she pretty much so, embraced the vampire stage, too. I mean, she didn't really, it wasn't really like her body was, her whole existence wasn't against it. Mm-hmm. No, oh. and, and it was just, everyone else was kind of uh, stunned by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Born family anyway, and then those that were born into different families, like you know the Volturi, uh, would never have been taught that they needed to do anything differently. So she just had a lot more prep time than anybody else. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. That makes sense. Now this, it seems like this is somewhat disputed between some of the vampires, particularly Edward and Carlisle. Um, at least for a little while. Is there an afterlife for the vampires? Again, you know, I, I'm not good about answering questions about things that haven't been answered in the novels or like in the <laughs> um, because there's that chance that I might go there. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think that at this point in the story, it's, it's still up in the air. None of them know because they haven't seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I think yeah. you touched on this a little bit already, but um, our next question was, was there ever a point when you considered killing off one or more of the main characters? I know who would have to die if I went ahead with the series. Um, and that is kind of one of the reasons why I don't want to. Um, um, I'd have to kill a lot of people if, if, you know, if it ever really came down to a fight, a pitched battle. Uh, people would die, and, and that's, that's no fun. So I do know who I would kill, um, but I don't know if I ever will go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Stephanie, we saw that the issues between Jacob and his old pack were resolved in Breaking Dawn, but does he ever go back to join them with Sam and his pack, or does he stay as an alpha and lead his own? Um, the alpha thing isn't something you can really turn off. So right. he realizes he's he's in, so he, that's why he sort of you know pulled some of his friends over, and, and he's got his own pack now. There's no going back. Um, cool. And speaking of that, did you always know that Jacob and the rest of the pack were shapeshifters, or was it just kind of something that came about maybe in the middle of the series, maybe? Um, they, I still think of them as werewolves, because really, what's the definition of a werewolf? A man who turns into a wolf and back? Mm-hmm. So. Technically, yeah, um, but I knew their I knew their backstory in a very um, I hadn't defined it entirely, but I knew where it came from, and I knew that it had been a different story than if they'd been bitten in traditional werewolves. And so I, I kind of had to make the decision early in: Do traditional werewolves exist? Where are they at? You know, what's what's with the moon and the silver bullets? Um, and I kind of decided that they must have, and, and that they would be close to extinct at this point. Um, and so I, I've known that. Now, um, Edward mentioned at the end of the book that the Voltori would eventually try to pick each of their family off individually. Does this mean we'll see more books about the future of the Collins? Is that what you may be leaning more towards, or are you ready to like move on to something else? Um, well, I mean, that's definitely left open for that purpose. Yeah. Um, clearly, you know, there would be a possibility for a lot more stories there, um, but I have not yet decided. I, you know, I have to admit it's been a really long year. Yeah. And uh, 
And I don't know if I'm ready to dive back into that. I, I think that I'm going to go and explore some other directions for a while. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you had to choose um, a character's point of view to go from other than Edward's, who would be your third favorite to write from, I guess it would be? You mean from this point out? From, from yeah, just from anyone else's point of views, like Jasper or um, Alice. You know, Carl, Al, Alice, of course, yeah. Well, do you, uh, just, do you mean for, like, to go back and redo the books from their perspective? Well, or maybe, from this point on? like, maybe, either. Like, yeah, like their story or something? Yeah, maybe. Even? Yeah. Um, well, because I'm writing from Edward's perspective on Midnight Sun, mm-hmm. I actually get to get a lot of people's perspectives because he's reading everybody's thoughts. Oh, yeah, that's so, true. You really get a lot of Alice, uh, a real sense of Rosalie as well, uh, and Emmett. It all just, you really get their perspective, too, when Edward's telling the story. I don't really have uh, the urge to go back with any of those characters, and if I were to go forward, I don't think that those would be the ones I'd choose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, we got to see a lot of really cool new characters in Breaking Dawn, and just as a personal aside, I have to tell you how much I adore Garrett. I mean, he just, yes. I love him <laughs> instantly. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a big yeah. Garrett fan, I love the guy. Yeah, yeah, and his little monologue, his little monologue at the end, the revolutionary sort of monologue, that yeah. just thrilled me. I mean, he yeah. won me over completely. But, I mean, who's your favorite <laughs> of, of the new characters? I mean, both personality-wise and in terms of who you like to write. Um, I enjoy Siobhan quite a bit. Mm. Uh, she actually had, uh, and Maggie, They in the original draft, um, it was a little bit longer towards the end. It was too long, which is why it got cut down. It's still very long. Um, but I, I cut out some interactions with Siobhan. And then uh, I'm also, I really enjoy the Romanians. They're new to this version of the story. And I loved having them come in with their totally different attitude and yeah, just kind yeah. of their I got a huge kick out of that. <laughs> I, I, that was funny. I, I love the Romanians. Didn't Arrow give them a look, too? I was like, oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was great. They're like the, the, last, the last two, and they're still kind of the thorn in the side, never quite eradicated right. the entire clan. Right. <laughs> um, so, Stephanie, this question I've been dying to ask ever since Breaking Dawn finished. Um, what is your opinion, or not what is your opinion, gosh. Um, what is the overall message to the series? You know, my editor said that to me. <laughs> she, when I gave her the outline, she's like, what's the moral of the story? Like, There's no moral of the story. The point is to have a good time. <laughs> the message is, did you enjoy, you know, the, the ride, hopefully, because that's what it was about. It was about having fun and entertainment. Oh, okay. and nothing beyond that was intentional. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I have a question for you about Jasper because our mutual friend Kim is just in love with him. So, and she's wondering when does Jasper actually feel other people's emotions, or does he just feel the emotion coming off of them? Oh, he feels their emotions, which to me there's not really a distinction there. Um, you know, for him, people are putting out this emotional aura all the time. And if someone's very sad, then he's going to feel that too. He can separate from himself a little bit, you know, and, and he knows that he's not sad, but he's still feeling the effects of it. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Well, when he is trying to influence someone else's emotion, does he have to feel that himself? Like, if he's trying to calm someone down, does he have to feel calm, or is he able to do that outside of his own emotion? Um, he has to be calm to calm someone down. Wow. Poor Jasper. <laughs> yeah, he feels so bad he for him. Of, he's got a lot of practice. He's good at it. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I know we we kind of talked about the uh, the uh, encyclopedia or the official guide to the Twilight Saga that was advertised at the end of Breaking Dawn. What, if anything, can you tell us about what to expect? You know, I am only tangentially involved in that. To just be sort of, I don't. I think a lot of it will be old information to someone who have read, who has read everything on the lexicon and everything on my website and. Everything that's out there, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know a lot of this. But to someone who hasn't put in that effort, it'll be a good reference guide for them. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to be able to add in some new material. Don't know if it's going to happen. We'll see when we get off tour and what their production schedule is like. Uh, If what I'm working on doesn't make it in time, I'll just put it on my website. Okay, cool. Awesome. Now, um, Lisa, you have a question? Oh, okay, sure. Well, I know that you're a big fan of the band Muse, and so am I. Um, so I was wondering, was there any particular songs that really stood out to you while you were writing Breaking Dawn? Any one or two in particular that inspired you the most? Um, on my playlist at the end, in the in the it's fitted to the battle scene. Um, I hear the song Take a Bow as the Volturi are coming into the meadow. I can just see them almost oh. moving to that. The way it builds and kind of expands. I mean, it's an amazing song. And then um, Assassin's is Derek's speech, which you guys know. <laughs> right. Perfect. Yeah, I totally see that. It is a good one. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, now, a couple questions about the movie. Um, at Comic-Con, you were doing an interview with Kath- Catherine Hardwick, uh, the director, of course, and she said that you'd be seeing uh, what they had put together the following Tuesday. So uh, do you want to say anything about the film? Like, have, have you seen it, uh, like a rough cut of it at this point? I did see a very, very rough cut. Oh. Um, there were, you know, there's a lot of transitions and things like that. I mean, a lot of them too, because it's it's still in the very early stages, yeah. but I was kind of amazed at how the emotion came through and how pretty Rob is and how Bella E. Kristen is and how them together just really caught that chemistry. It's kind of mind-blowing. Wow. Awesome. That's really exciting to hear. And I think, I think all, you know, you guys knew Rob before as Cedric and kind of, you know, have seen him in action, but he's going to blow you away. You're not going to believe it when you see how, what his skill range is. He's amazing. Right. Because uh, Matt and I were at Comic-Con and we saw the scene that they played at the panel, at that now, like, historic panel yeah. with you guys. And <laughs> and um, that scene... It seemed like it was it was pretty much complete. Uh, it was definitely a lot different than when they played it at the MTV Movie Awards, and that scene was just awesome. Yeah, it just it felt was. so cool. Oh, I was so excited. The last scene we actually saw what Bella was seeing when she got bit. Oh yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> then they stopped. That was that was crazy. So is it true to the books? Do you think the fans are going to be very happy with it? Because that's always been a big thing with Harry Potter about it being true to the books, and frankly, they 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 really haven't and it's a thing the fans have come to accept so what do you think well, the twilight think, fans should expect 
it totally depends on the attitude they go in with. Like, I've had people email me about trailers they've seen and say, you know, this line is different than it is in the book. I'm concerned. It's like, okay, well, you need to be. Because if you're expecting them to come out and spout all the lines out of the book and have everything happen in the same order, you know, that's just not possible unless we were doing, like, a 12-hour, you know, miniseries or Exactly, whatever. yeah. Can't, can't be done. Um, but what I was looking for and hoping for was that it would feel like Twilight. And the little things that are different are almost like like little extras, you know, that mm-hmm. totally could happen because they're absolutely in character. And when they're talking to each other, it sounds like Belle and Edward. And, and it's like little extras for me, and there are scenes even that I wish I had put into the book. Yeah. Um, they're that much in line. So if you're expecting to see the book exactly as it is, um, you're not going to see that. Right. But you are going to see the soul of Twilight, and that's what counts to me. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Okay, well, Elizabeth just walked in, so that's my cue. I have to run over to the theater. All right, um, great. All right, well, Stephanie, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, we absolutely. really appreciate it. Awesome. Aww. Good luck on your show today. Good I'm luck, sure you'll Stephanie. do fine. We'll oh, see you th- thank you. We'll see you Thursday. Yeah, Matt and I are going to be at your L.A. stop. So. Oh, cool. Cool. See you on Thursday. Then. Yeah, definitely. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. 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 Okay, there it was. That was wow. wonderful. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it, Laura? That yeah, was she's awesome. So she's so nice. Yeah. And many of you know that we do run a fan site and podcast for uh, Twilight, twilightsource.com, and also imprint the podcast. So feel free to check those out if you're interested in what Stephanie had to say. I can't. Do you think J.K. Rowling would be, be annoyed that Stephanie thinks that uh, Harry Potter or Edward would win in a duel versus uh, Harry Potter? I don't know. I'd be interested to hey, hear Joe. what Joe would say. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. Joe, get on the show. <laughs> Come on the show, Joe. Fire back. We're waiting. Yeah, now she has to fire back. She can't let that hang. Have you gotten our emails, Joe? <laughs> uh, okay, well, um, actually, today's actually a very big day for uh, MuggleCast. It's actually the three-year anniversary of when MuggleCast uh, was first released, August oh 7th, 2005. Can you guys believe it? Three years. So this week, we are going to do This Week in MuggleCast History. And um, why not? Go back to the very first episode. I'm just going to start it right from the beginning. Uh, we're, we'll only play like a minute, minute and a half. But, okay. You know talk about it afterwards so here we go let's go back in time turn on time machines mugglecast mugglenet.com's brand new podcasting feature episode one for august 7th 2005 if you haven't finished reading book six yet please do not listen to this podcast as we do talk about several different spoilers Welcome to MuggleCast. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Andrew Sims. And I'm Kevin Steck. Loving this music. This is the first edition of a brand new feature brought to you by MuggleNet.com. Each week, our discussion will be centered around one topic. This week, we will be discussing the recently released sixth book, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. But first, we need to take a look at this past week's news. Within the past week, we've seen a lot of news for the fourth movie, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. You guys a lot sound of brand so new young. pictures have also been released. Kevin and Andrew, what do you guys think? Okay, well, I'm really thinking this who, who is uh, movie Shut is going to be one of the best ones yet. And I said that about Prisoner of Azkaban, too. But this one, I really think, is going to be good. Um, the director, Mike Newell. Uh, no, no, you idiot. Four <laughs> Weddings and a Funeral. Um, Listen to that audio quality. Terrible. And, but, <laughs> okay, well, that's... Um, <laughs> who was that? That was me. 
Have nasally Andrew. 12-year-old Andrew. I think this movie's going to be the best one yet. Uh, I've I've said that before, but I really think so this time. (laughs) I mean it. Uh, Ben sounds the same. Ben (laughs) (laughs) So does Kevin. Um, And what's great about that episode was that I was so prepared. I I had a notepad with all the... Everything I said about that movie in the first sentence, I had it all jotted down. I researched, like, you know, Mike Newell. I was looking into, you know, the films he's done. I was pretending like I was an expert on it. Because when we first started that show, uh, there was a little pressure to sort of be experts. Because we were like, well, you know, how are we going to do this? We need a way for people to rely on us. So, it was just, you know, yeah, this movie, I think it's really going to be the best. Um, so, that was fun. Uh, we, I, I don't know if I've said it on the show before, but... um. It took us so long. I, I initially I was doing the intro to that show, like to um, you know, hey everyone, welcome. But I just kept breaking down and like laughing or being so nervous every time I tried. So then Ben finally was like, "Okay, let me do it." And then, wish we had the bloopers from that original stuff. But so there oh, was. Yeah. That guy I'm not nasally anymore. That was the first episode, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I remember listening to it too. <laughs> yep, I know, I know. Micah, now you were a a listener before you know you got For one episode onto the site. Yep. Did you you listen to the episode and what what were your honest thoughts about it? My honest thoughts about it, um, I, I liked it. I mean, I thought that it had a lot of uh, potential. Clearly, and uh, meaning it sucked, but it could get no, better. Because uh, hold on a second, <laughs> let me see if I I'm have an kidding. email I'm here that I sent to Kevin all the way back then. Uh oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, I want to see if my thing in the staff forums is still there, because I think I was actually really mean. Oh, no, mine was really nice. What did you say, Laura? Um, well, Ben posted a topic in our staff forums, just asking what everyone thought of episode one. And everyone was kind of commenting that they thought the episode should be shorter. And I agreed with that. I said, yeah, I'd say you want to go around 20 minutes shorter. I like the idea of a rotating cast, but I see no problem if Ben and Andrew want to sit in on some of them to make sure they're going the right way. Since there's heading the project overall i thought it was (laughs) overall i thought it was really cool and well done nice work i was so nice now was that legitimate or were you lying no i don't recall not like like i just remember a lot of people didn't like it (laughs) i remember and so i thought maybe i was one of them no i remember i was upset with you guys because there were no girls on the show and i ranted a lot about that but you and a couple others yeah anyway so that's this week in MuggleCast. looking back at uh some muggle cast history uh let's see uh, this week what's cast. next i know what's next oh make the m- 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 music connection matt you have some songs prepared for us this week um yes i do okay all right let's uh begin with laura oh boy here's your song name of the song technically wow I, I don't even know what to say to that um you do know the song right yeah yeah i know the song um i'm just grasping at straws here to try and think of how it has any connection whatsoever to harry potter <laughs> um shoot i guess the only <sighs> damn it 
don't know. I guess I can just really, <laughs> this is so stupid. Um, in book three, when Harry couldn't go to Hogsmeade, he really wanted to go. So he really wanted to go to Funky Town, I think. I like that. I was thinking of uh, Hogsmeade too. Okay, good. So I'm not the only one. It right. is Funky Town if you think about it, you know. It is kind of funky. If only it was in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. All right, who's next, Matt? Um, I don't care. Someone choose. Uh, I'll go and fail. Okay. Um, oh, I give you an easy one. Oh, good. Okay, here we go. Okay. Everyone loves you, you know. Yes, I know, I know, I know. Is that you've got a friend of me? No, it's If I Didn't Have You from Monsters, Inc. Oh. Um, well, this is definitely um, Snape's song to Voldemort as Voldemort's about to kill him. What? And the Shrieking Shack. Wow, Andrew. Wow. Is that a joke? No. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, uh... it's Dumbledore's song to Snape. As uh, in that one flashback when Dumbledore is telling Snape, you know, how much he trusts him and how much he's done for him. Okay. There that's, you go. that's pretty What's good. That? That's good. That's Thank, good. You. Yeah. Thank you. I got to fix the audio problem where I don't know if you guys noticed, but the lyrics on songs are never loud. Yeah, I know. Uh, you can only them. ever hear yeah. the You can really only hear the, um, the melody. Yeah. I don't I don't know why that is, uh, but I got to fix that. Okay. And so now we're going to move on to Chicken Soup for the Muggle Cast Soul for this week. And this week's comes from Holly Claire, 13 of Dallas, Texas. And she writes, Hello, Muggle Casters. First off, I wanted to say that I hope you all had an awesome time down here for Portis, even though I was too young to go. I started listening to Imprint, and I think it's really good. Now, my chicken soup for the Muggle Castle isn't one about some fatal disease or getting me through uh, last year of school, though you got me through my boring math class. My chicken soup was about the fact that you guys got me through the nights when I thought I would just break down. When I was four years old, my sister, who is now 11, was diagnosed, the youngest person in my country, to have bipolar disorder. And in the past couple years, she's been showing signs of Asperger's syndrome, a form of autism. My family recently got into a big fight with our school district, which automatically meant stress in my house. Stress in my house means I get yelled at because if someone yells at my little sister, she throws things. And when she was two, she broke my mom's front window of the car with her head. And on top of that, I apparently am the one who is expected to pick up after my sister has had little fits, and I have glass in my feet to prove it. So what I did to keep myself from totally breaking down is this. I will go into my room and play all the old MuggleCast as loud as my speakers would let me. All your jokes and little quirks made it that much easier for me to forget the stress that I have that a normal 13-year-old shouldn't. I mean, come on. I just turned 13 on the 14th of July. All well. Thanks for reading this. I love the show, and I can't wait until your next live one. Thanks. Uh, well, thank you, Holly. That was a very sweet email. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to help you in some way. All right, well, that does it for this week's show. Uh, people probably know that we had planned on this episode, 156, being our final weekly show. Um, but then the Stephanie Meyer interview actually came sooner than we thought. So we decided to put that here and then delay the final weekly show until next week so we can 
do it justice. Plus, we're missing a couple of hosts that we'd like to have back um, for our final show, and they weren't able to make right. it this week. Right. So uh, next week, we're going to have as many people on as possible. Um, so it's going to be a fun time. But of course, again, we're not ending. We're just stopping the weekly shows. We're going to do shows as often as possible. Um, one other thing, check MuggleCast.com for a news post I made about calling in with your thoughts about the show as a whole and all that. And we're going to play a couple of them uh, throughout the show next week. Uh, so I think that does it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Stephanie Meyer for coming on and speaking to us about the Twilight fandom and all that. It was a lot of fun. Before we let everyone go, we want to remind uh, you all about our contact information. Laura, what's the P.O. Box? That's uh, P.O. Box 3151, coming Georgia, 30028. As I mentioned, we also have the MuggleCast hotline. To call it, if you're in the United States, you can dial one two one eight twenty magic If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-8144-0677. And if you're in Australia, you can dial 02-8003-5668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast, but remember, no matter how you call us, just keep your question or comment or whatever under 60 seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible. You can also visit MuggleCast.com for a handy feedback form. Uh, to contact any one of us or just use our, fir- our first name at staff.mugglenet.com I would recommend emailing us directly because right now I know at least Matt and I oh, and Micah, we're all having problems with our email I'm not sure what's going on uh, but I haven't been getting many emails Matt hasn't either and no. neither is Micah and I think there's something wrong with something so we're going to look into that but uh, also visit MuggleCast.com for a variety of community outlet links, including uh, the MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last.fm, the fan listing in the forums over at MuggleCastFan.net. Uh, follow us on Twitter, DigTheShow at Dig.com, and vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. Don't forget also on MuggleCast.com right now, we have a banner at the top, Teddy Bears for Hope. And you can uh, contribute to our little uh, campaign we're running right now. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Matthew Britton. We'll see you all next week for episode 157. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.